Hello, and welcome to Danley and Friends. I'm your host, Ryan Danley. On this podcast, I seek to spread joy by connecting you with my friends and other people who are doing positive things in their community and in the world at large. I also seek to spread connection through encouraging open dialogue, having difficult conversations, and exploring new ideas and concepts. September is Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month. And as many of you know, on January 26, 2019, I suffered a spinal cord injury as the result of a snowmobile accident. What is a spinal cord injury as a refresher? A spinal cord injury is damage to the tight bundle of cells and nerves that sends and receives signals from the brain to and from the rest of the body. So this can be caused by direct injury to the spinal cord itself or damage to the tissue and bones that surround the spinal cord. And I actually broke my neck at the C7 vertebrae. And so this damage can result in temporary or permanent changes in sensation, movement, strength, and body functions below the site of the injury. Doctors will tell you that there's no chance and that you'll never walk again and your life is going to change forever. In fact, they wrote an article about me. American gets in a life-altering accident. That was the headline. But one thing that people don't really bring up is that in injuries that cause little or no cell death, you can almost get a complete recovery. But it's not very common, and so they don't talk about it. They don't want to give you false hope and ruin your chances later down the road. As I've progressed on this journey, I've come to the conclusion that perhaps they're doing this backwards. Perhaps the mind has much more of an influence in your recovery and your prognosis than one might believe. And to tell someone at such a pivotal moment that they have no chance, perhaps implants an idea into their mind that wouldn't have been there before. And maybe now they're bound by their idea, by this notion that they won't recover. Because crazier things have happened. And you never fucking know. So I got curious about this mind stuff. You know, September also happens to house a week that I don't typically highlight because I don't know. I just don't. But it's Suicide Prevention Week. And I've talked about it lightly. And I peel it back every so often as time goes on. But there was a point in my life post-accident, where I'd made the decision that I no longer wanted to be alive. And this seems like a simple decision, but it wasn't. It was the culmination of a lot of different factors. One in particular was at that time I was having some difficulty with bathroom function in that when my bladder was full, I would get this condition called autonomic dysreflexia, or AD. And since the signals to my brain couldn't travel effectively from my bladder, what manifests is dysfunction in the body where your blood pressure rises and it often results in a headache. Well, for me, these were crushing headaches. They were the most brutal things ever. I couldn't sleep. I was getting two hours of sleep at a time, and I would wake up with a splitting headache that would hurt my head so bad that every time my heart beat, I couldn't talk. It would take my breath away. 
And this persisted for days and days and days. And I was sad. You know, I just went from, uh, you know, physically one of the most prime shapes of my life. I was happy with where I was. I was working out consistently and uh, I was eating right. I was, I was feeling good about my body to not being able to move it. I was very sad. So much of my future that was, you know, in my mind, the next step now seemed like, you know, far off things. And so I searched for answers and I asked myself, is this something I want to continue doing? If none of the things that I enjoy, none of the things that I want, so I thought, are available to me any longer. And at one point, I decided that it wasn't. I didn't want to live. I no longer wanted to go on if I couldn't walk, if I couldn't use the bathroom properly, if I couldn't feel temperature appropriately, if I couldn't enjoy things like playing games and taking hikes and going for a walk and, you know, wearing clothes and just feeling good about the way that I look. Um, I couldn't really breathe. I couldn't laugh. My laugh literally changed because my diaphragm was impacted. And so I have a different laugh than I did before. And it doesn't feel the same. It's not as satisfying. Um, so all that impacted me, you know? And that's not even everything. Like, there's so much. We are not sure if I'm going to be able to have kids or not. You know, who knows how long I'll live? You know, I have a lifetime of, quote, medical problems ahead of me based on my prognosis, based on the fact that I'm sitting down all the time. You hear very often that it's not healthy to sit. We sit for eight hours a day. Well, try sitting for more than that. You know, try sitting for most of your waking hours if you're not laying down or doing some sort of therapy to try to regain any little bit of function that you could possibly regain. Early on for me, my body hurt. It was painful to move. It was painful to do anything. My left hand didn't work. My right hand was weak. I could barely open bottles. I couldn't reach things on shelves. And all these things around me, my environment, it all seemed like hell. And I wondered, how is it that people make it through situations like this? Because here I am, ready to give up, ready to leave this life. There are people who have been faced with circumstances, faced with environments that are significantly worse than mine. Some of the worst things on earth that you can imagine. Some unspeakable things that I won't say, but you think of things like slavery. You think of things like the Holocaust. You think of things that are on the news. These terrible things that they try to scare you with. And you wonder, how is it that someone could make it through something like that? So that question persisted in the back of my mind. Is there a force, a factor, a power, a science, call it what you will, a something 
which a few people understand and use to overcome their difficulties and achieve outstanding success? That was the question. Can I overcome this? Can I create a life that I enjoy on a day-to-day basis, despite my circumstances? What the fuck do I have to lose? Not much, it seemed like. So I set out to wrap my head around people who had either overcome hardship or who seemed to have a unique grasp on this concept of life or what it is that we're doing in this universe as a human being. And I started to hear messages like this. The only way to handle danger is to face it. If you start getting frightened of it, then you make it worse. Because you project onto it all kinds of bogeys and threats which don't exist in it at all. That's my man Alan Watts. And he was right. I started thinking about problems and stuff that didn't even exist, didn't even matter. I remember I was looking out of my window when I got home from the hospital, and I would see squirrels jumping to and fro in the trees. And I would look out there and be like, man, why can't I jump from the trees? Look at these squirrels. These squirrels can move, and I can't even swing from the trees. Like my ass was ever going to be in a tree doing some Tarzan shit anyway. But for some reason, I felt like I was missing out. Like, I'm telling you, I would sit around watching Game of Thrones, and I would be like, that dude is badass shooting that bow and arrow on that horse. I am never going to be able to shoot a bow and arrow on a horse. Like, I don't have any trunk control. How is it that I'm going to be able to keep myself stable on a horse shooting a bow and arrow at somebody if there's a threat? I'm telling you, I was going bananas. I was starting to see ghosts everywhere. I was starting to judge people. Look at that person not taking care of their body. They have the opportunity to move and they won't even take care of themselves. How selfish. Do they even know what it's like to not even be able to have the ability to move? I was judging people. I was an asshole. I was grouchy. I was mad at the world. I was seeing ghosts everywhere. Whenever you meet a ghost, don't run away. Because the ghost will capture the substance of your fear and materialize itself out of your own substance and will kill you eventually because it will take over all your own vitality. So then, whenever confronted with a ghost, walk straight into it and it will disappear. We've got to survive. You must survive. You must survive. Why do you want to live so bad? Why is it that when you jumped in the deep end in the pool when you were young and you sank down below, that you fought so hard to get to the top? You wanted to live. You wanted to live. But you can't even swim now. Fuck. If thus a strong meaning orientation plays a decisive role in the prevention of suicide, what about intervention in cases in which there is a suicide risk? As a young doctor I spent four years in Austria's largest state hospital, 
where I was in charge of the pavilion in which severely depressed patients were accommodated, most of them having been admitted after a suicide attempt. I once calculated that I must have explored twelve thousand patients during those four years. What accumulated was quite a store of experience from which I still draw whenever I am confronted with someone who is prone to suicide. All right, Victor Frankel, I'm listening. Sound like you got some credentials. Okay, so tell me what you do. I explained to such a person that patients have repeatedly told me how happy they were that the suicide attempt had not been successful. Weeks, months, years later, they told me, it turned out that there was a solution to their problem, an answer to their question, a meaning to their life. Even if things only take such a good turn in one of a thousand cases, my explanation continues, who can guarantee that in your case it will not happen one day, sooner or later? But in the first place, you have to live to see the day on which it may happen. So you have to survive in order to see that day dawn. And from now on, the responsibility for survival does not leave you. Those were the words. Those were the ones that hit something deep inside of my soul and resonated in a spot in my brain that filled my body with a completely different way of thinking and a completely different way of being in the world. Who is to say that my day won't come? Because quite frankly, I did not see this shit coming. I had no fucking idea that I was going to be on a snowmobile in Canada, run into a dock and get a spinal cord injury and be in a wheelchair. We wouldn't have bet that ever. You know what I mean? So if something that bad can happen to me, something that fucking random can happen to me, why can't something equally as good happen? If I'm the one that you know, this spinal cord injury thing happens to, you know, 0.0054% chance of it going down, why is it that I can't have something on the other side of that? Because it seems to me like good can't exist without bad. Hard can't exist without soft. It seems like that is the universal law. So I said to myself, why not me? Why can't I be the one who something great happens for? Who recovers from this somehow? You know, why not me? Why can't I be the story that everyone hears about? Why can't I be the anomaly? And so I grappled with this thought and I milled it over and over and over again. And I understand the value of repetition. You know, there are things that, when repeated to you, get deep down in your subconscious mind and you learn them. And if that were not the case, then we would not make ABC songs when we were little kids. That's the way we learn. Things get repeated to us over and over and over and over again. And we then know it to be the case. Or so we think. You know, it's our operating program. So I figure, just tell myself, you know, why can't I be the one that the happy thing happens for? And so I wrote a poem when I was feeling particularly moved one day. And it goes, why not me? Someone can create change. Someone can overcome. Someone can beat the odds, even when they're slim to none.
Someone can heal. Someone can face their fears. Someone can reach new heights and power through the tears. Someone can be the example. Someone's got to be. Someone can, and someone will. Well, why not me? Why not me? And so I made that my motto. I made it my mantra. I live by it. Why not me? Why can't I be the one? I made pins with my wonderful wife, Kelsey, and we wear them all over everything. They're on my hats. They're on her bag. They're everywhere to remind us. Why not me? Because otherwise, I was persisting in a state of constant anxiety. That's the great thing we're all working under and pounding it out day after day in anxiety. Because this is a description of anxiety. Anxiety is the fear that one of a pair of opposites might cancel the other forever. And if by any chance, by any means, you find out that that is not so, you have an entirely new attitude to what human beings are doing, which may be very creative, but which also may be very dangerous. You you see through the game. Maybe it all is just a game, or at least maybe I could approach it that way. I've played a lot of games in my day, played a lot of FIFA, a lot of Madden, a lot of NBA 2K, you know, played a lot of board games, you know, Life, Monopoly, Monopoly Deal, which is a fantastic game, by the way. Um, so I've played games. Maybe I can treat life like a game and damn, I guess I got to play on expert mode. I guess I have to play on the highest difficulty. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself. And if I treat it like a game, then perhaps I can win. And what does that look like? You know, that's personal to me. I'm still trying to figure that out, actually. But I think I'm getting a little bit closer to what that means. But perhaps I can't get there if I keep thinking these negative thoughts. Perhaps I can't get there if my mind is constantly filled day in and day out with dread and the nature of my perceived existential crisis. You are only just kidding that you're just poor little me. See, the function of a guru, that is to say a spiritual teacher in India, is to look, give you a funny look in the eye because you come to him and say, Mr. Guru, I have problems. I, I, I suffer and uh, it's a mess and I can't control my mind and I'm miserable and depressed and so on. And he gives you a funny look. And you feel a bit nervous about the way he looks at you. Because, he th- you know, he's reading your thoughts. And this man is a great magician. He can read everything that's in you. He knows right down into your unconscious, and you know all the dreadful things you've thought, and all the awful desires you have, and you are rather embarrassed that this man looks right through you and sees them all. But that's not what he's looking at. He's giving you a funny look for quite another reason altogether. Because he sees in you the Brahma, the Godhead, just claiming it's poor little me. That's why he gives you a funny look. And why he seems to see right through you. As if to say, Shiva, old boy, don't kid me. 
I know who you are. But you're coming on beautifully in this act. <laughs> that you're somebody else altogether. And I congratulate you. You're doing a wonderful job. Playing this part, which you call the person, my person. So, it's all very well. Anybody can have ecstasy. Anybody, as a matter of fact, can become uh, aware that he is one with the eternal ground of the universe. God created man in his own image. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We are all stardust. Maybe we're all made out of the same thing. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. The universe has the same amount of stuff in it as it's always had. If I am from the creator and perhaps of the creator, then perhaps I can draw from the power of the creator or perhaps I can draw from the power of the universe. Maybe I can draw from the Akashic records. Maybe I can draw from universal consciousness. Who knows? I had an idea. I had an idea, and an idea backed with belief, with faith, with a burning desire, can be powerful. The clear, unchallengeable fact that everything begins with an idea. A philosophy based on the fact that riches of every kind begin with the state of mind, that one may start with nothing but thoughts, ideas, and organized plans. Thoughts are things, incredibly powerful things, when mixed with definiteness of purpose, persistence, and a burning desire for their translation into material objects or riches, riches being whatever it is you happen to want. Wise men have been saying this for centuries, and just recently Charles A. Sarami wrote, the truth is that the human mind is as real an organism as any muscle in the body, but far greater in potential power. And like muscle fiber, it can be strengthened to lead on to unimagined conquests. So this then is the truth on which Think and Grow Rich is based. If you know what you would simply cannot be stopped, you will most certainly achieve it. You can control your destiny here on Earth. Can I control my destiny? Here on Earth? That's a question that lingered in my mind for a while. What did I have to lose? Why not fully commit to believing in the fact that I could be the one that recovers? I could be the one that gets better. I could be the one that makes a great life of this. No matter what comes of it, why not believe that I can be the one? Why not have faith? What do you believe? It is not the thing believed in that which brings an answer to man's prayer. The answer to prayer results when the individual's subconscious mind responds to the mental picture or thought in his mind. This law of belief is operating in all religions of the world and is the reason why they are psychologically true. The Buddhist, the Christian, the Muslim, and the Hebrew all may get answers to their prayers not because of the particular creed, religion, affiliation, ritual, ceremony, formula, liturgy, incantation, sacrifices, or offerings, but solely because of belief or mental acceptance and receptivity about that for which they pray. The law of life is the law of belief, and belief could be summed up briefly as a thought in your mind.
As a man thinks, feels, and believes, so is the condition of his mind, body, and circumstances. Man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. But whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. Just as a gardener cultivates his plot, keeping it free from weeds and growing the flowers and fruits which he requires, so may a man tend the garden of his mind, weeding out all the wrong, useless and impure thoughts and cultivating toward perfection the flowers and fruits of right, useful, and pure thoughts. By pursuing this process, a man sooner or later discovers that he is the master gardener of his soul, the director of his life. He also reveals, within himself, the laws of thought, and understands with ever-increasing accuracy how the thought forces and mind elements operate in the shaping of his character, circumstances, and destiny. So, I don't know what my destiny is, but I figured I could have some fun. I could enjoy my wife. I could enjoy the life that I have. I figured these endless possibilities that I thought I had were just perceptions anyway, because you only have so much time. And I am so grateful for the time that I do have. And I'm going to use that time to do things that I enjoy. I'm going to spend it with my wife. I'm going to give back to my community. And hopefully, I can be the example. Why not me? And I know maybe that may seem self-serving or selfish or narcissistic or what have you. I truly don't care at this point. In my life, I'm so comfortable in my journey and what I'm here to do that I don't really mind what people think about me anymore. I hope that you think I'm kind. I hope that versions of me that you may have known before, you realize that those were versions of me that you've known before. And they are responsible for who I am now. And I'm grateful for the process that I went through to get to where I'm at today. I don't know how this all works. And people have been studying it for ages, centuries, millennia. Whole religions are dedicated to figuring out why we're here and what we're doing, who created us. A lot of people think they have an idea, but you know, I think one thing that seems to hold true is that if you believe that you can do a thing, that you will pull it off. And I believe that we can find healing together as a people. I believe that we can find love. I believe that we can find unity. Once again, balance. Who knows? I've always had these questions. I guess you could say, Apparently, I was born with a huge bump of curiosity. I've always had an insatiable yearning to seek explanations and answers. This yearning has taken me to many strange places, 
brought to light many peculiar cases and has caused me to read every book I could get my hands on, dealing with religions, cults, and both physical and mental sciences. I have read literally thousands of books on modern psychology, metaphysics, ancient magic, voodooism, yogism, theosophy, Christian science, unity, truth, new thought, and many other dealings. It's what I call mind stuff. Many of these books were nonsensical, others strange, and many very profound. Gradually, I discovered that there is a golden thread that runs through all the teachings and makes them work for those who sincerely accept and apply them. That thread can be named in a single word, belief. It is the same element or factor, belief, which causes people to be cured through mental healing, enables others to climb the ladder of success and gets phenomenal results for all who accept it. Why belief as a miracle worker is something that cannot be satisfactorily explained, but have no doubt about it. There's genuine magic in believing. Now, I'm not here to tell you that I've read thousands of books. I've read books from people who say that they have. And I've read other people's analysis, and I'm no expert myself. I don't claim to be. I'm just trying to figure this out just like all these other guys are. But... If you feel compelled to explore based on what you've heard here today, then I believe we're on the right path. Because I'd like to see a world where perhaps we don't believe in the fear that they try to feed us. And we don't believe that we're all so different after all. But I believe before we go externally and try to fix the world, that it all starts with ourself. And I believe that that's a process that takes some time and takes some effort. And I'm not finished with it. I'm still going through it, you know, but I think you have to take that journey. I think you have to put your own oxygen mask on first before you put anyone else's on. And I think it all starts with the power of your thoughts. Man is where he is that he may learn that he may grow. And as he learns the spiritual lesson which any circumstance contains for him, it passes away and gives place to other circumstances. Man is buffeted by circumstances so long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. But when he realizes that he is a creative power and that he may command the hidden soil and seeds of his being out of which circumstances grow, he then becomes the rightful master of himself. That circumstances grow out of thought, every man knows who has for any length of time practiced self-control and self-purification. For he will have noticed that the alteration in his circumstances has been in exact ratio with his altered mental condition. So true is this that when a man earnestly applies himself to remedy the defects in his character, he makes swift and marked progress. He passes rapidly through a succession of vicissitudes. The soul attracts that which it secretly harbors, that which it loves, and also that which it fears. It reaches the height of its cherished aspirations. It falls to the level of its unchastened desires, and circumstances are the means by which the soul receives its own. Every thought seeds sown or allowed to fall into the mind, and to take root there produces its own, blossoming sooner or later into act. 
and bearing its own fruitage of opportunity and circumstance. Good thoughts bear good fruit. Bad thoughts, bad fruit. They say your diet is more than what you eat. Be careful what you think about. Be careful what you input and allow to bypass your filters into your mind. Understand how important it is. And once you do, I think you'll see that you can change your outlook. You can create some brightness, some light out of a dark place. And I hope if you ever, ever get to that dark place, that you do everything you can to fight and get out of it. Because it's worth it. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? But you have to live. You have to survive. You have to be here to see the day. Because maybe the day will be yours. Why not? Why not you? Why not me?